Amen. And I'm so happy to be here today. And I'm so, uh, I was thinking, you know, it's, you're not supposed to be proud. I think somebody told me one time, said you should always be grateful. But I'm having a hard time today not being proud of my family. And uh, I'm grateful to God for the uh, work of God that is going on here in Durham. And uh, Michael and my uh, daughter Victoria is here today. And uh, Christy and a new grandbaby, you know. Why wouldn't I be the happiest man in the world, you know? And uh, I am, and I, I, I thank God today for this opportunity to be here. Sorry that uh, I wind up being here on a day that pastor's not here, but uh, I appreciate the trust to come and to share the Word of God with you. And uh, I know that many times when we stand behind this desk, this referred to as a sacred desk. Sometimes we wonder, you know, Lord, give me the right message. What message would you have me to, to bring? Because you always want to uh, meet the need of that hour and to minister to the needs of those who are hurting and everybody has different needs. But it's one thing about the Word of God that I have discovered is that God is the one who knows what everybody needs. And the Word of God can feed multiple uh, people with different things at the same time. And if we'll do what God gives us to do, God is actually the one that does the work. I remember, uh, I remember one time uh, that I was invited for probably the 10th or 11th time to minister in London, England, and the church had sent me a ticket, and they prepared all the hotels and everything. It was ready to go, and I, you know, and I thought, I, I like to be prepared to go, and I like to go to preach a word from God. And, you know, you want to have that word, a specific word that is needed for that particular time. And um, I couldn't get anything. I had a lot of sermons I could preach, but I just wanted that specific message that uh, and I thought, when I get on the airplane, I'll, I'll, It'll come to me a lot of times, you know, I get a direction at that time. And I flew all the way across the Atlantic and landed and didn't have a thing. Got to the hotel and still nothing. And that, that's a, not a good feeling, I can promise you. And uh, so they came to pick me up for church and I still had no idea what I was going to preach. I got in, I walked into that auditorium, hundreds of people, and they were praising God and rejoicing, and because the man of God from America is coming with a word from God, and I'm just thinking, I wish he had a word from God. <laughs> I wish I knew what was going to happen here. And uh, even as they were introducing me, I had my finger in the Bible, you know, in three or four places. I could preach a lot of different things, but had no idea what I was going to preach. And that's a scary thing, I can tell you that. But I preached, and, and, and uh, I don't even know what I preached, but it was the Word of God. The next night when I was coming into the auditorium, they said, the pastor and his wife would like to see you in the auditorium, in the office, and I said, all right. I, so I, they took me to the office, and, and uh, so when they came in, they said, you know, we have a lot of preachers come from America, and some of them claim to have a word from God, and a lot of them are fakes, and I thought, I don't know where this this conversation is going to right now, 
But I said, is that right? And they said, but we believe you have the word of the Lord in your mouth, and we're not sure if you know it or not. I said, well, I appreciate that, but why do you say that? And they said, well, you know the message, they call out several things that had happened in the service the night before. They said, the service that, uh, the, the sermon you preached last night, I thought, oh, Lord, what is this, you know. And uh, they said, we've had seven questions that we have been struggling with. And we have struggled with them for months, and we can't find the answers. And last night in the message, you answered all seven questions. And my, I'm sure my mouth dropped open, and I don't know what the question was, and I don't know what the answer was. But I preached the Word of God, and when you preach the Word of God, God's got a way of getting in there and getting the need done. And, and you know what? It takes the pressure off of you. Amen. It takes the pressure off when you realize that it's not what I do, but it's that I do my part, and then God steps in and does the rest. And he also said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in their midst. And so if I can find one or two more that came here today in the name of Jesus, then I believe that he's going to have, we have a contract that he is here, and there's no telling what might happen when God comes into the midst of those that are worshiping and praising God like we have experienced today. What an anointing I have felt since being in this service. And I don't know about you, but I even feel him right now. Amen. I wish somebody would just give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Before I read the scripture, let me share one more thing with you. Kind of on this same subject. I was preaching in Los Angeles, and a, a man came down the aisle. This was just a few years ago, and uh, he came down the aisle. He had an African costume, you know, or clothing on, and he came down the aisle, and he said, were you in Africa in the, well, I wouldn't say this, but everybody knows I'm Michael's dad, so they know how old I am anyway, I guess, so he said, in the 70s, <laughs> and so I said, actually, I was. And uh, I was, he said, were you, where were you ministering in? I said, well, I was in Nairobi, and I was in uh, uh, Mombasa. And uh, he said, Mombasa. And I thought, I haven't thought of that service in a long time. In fact, I, I really, I had been in Europe ministering, and my uh, sister Elaine had been traveling with me, and, and uh we went to a conference uh, that we were, I was supposed to be one of three speakers, and I was the only one that, the others, their visas didn't come in, so I had to do the whole thing. And I hadn't thought about that in a long time, that, and I, but I have shared a story from that trip that uh, it was the thing that stood out in my mind, uh, and it was not even about the service, but there was hundreds of people that were there, but we were staying at a hotel on, uh, on the beach and one night after service, and I won't go into all the details of it, you know, but I've shared this many times, but I walked out on the beach and uh, there was a lot of sand crabs on the beach. And one of them f actually got in my boot. And I learned to dance on Bamburi Beach just down close to Tanzania. That's, that's the thing that I remembered most about. That made an impression on me. 
but now here, and I haven't thought of this crusade in, in years, you know. And he said, the service in Mombasa. He said, I want to tell you, I was saved in that service. And he said, I didn't know your name, but I knew if I ever saw you again, I would, I would know you. He said, that was you. And he said, I want to tell you that I'm a bishop. also tell you that out of that crusade in Mombasa, Kenya, there's over a thousand churches now flourishing in Africa. Now, let me tell you something. That lets you know that we are doing something much more powerful than meets the eye, and that is we have the privilege of working in the greatest, uh, the greatest thing on the face of the earth, which is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the power in the name of Jesus that we can affect the world we live in. I know it gets confusing sometimes, and I know that it gets kind of, it looks like things are out of control, and it looks like the world is going the other way, and not the way we want it to go, but Jesus said that things will grow worse, they will wax worse and worse, and it seems to be happening, but he said, lift up your head and rejoice, for your redemption draweth nigh, and I promise you, God will keep his word, amen. How many of you believe that, amen? Glory to God. Well, it's a joy to be here today. And I'm not going to hold you long, and I'm going to get, bring you a little word here today, and God can take a little word and turn it into a big miracle for you. You believe that? Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 20. And let me say again what a joy it is to be here today, and uh, this great church that has such a tremendous history of preaching the gospel throughout this area and around the world. Uh, some of you may not know this, but uh, I knew and I sang when I was a little child in this congregation. It's probably different now, I'm sure, mostly. Back when uh, I was probably nine years old, ten years old, and uh, the gospel is still going forth. Can you say amen? Aren't you glad that we are not here just because we decided we want to be here, but we're here with a call of God and a call to do the work of God? If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 20. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, just want to again say that uh, what a blessing it is. And see if I can see the clock. I'm going to try to get you out of here before 4 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> Uh, don't you like a joke once in a while, you know, amen, you know, sometimes we come to church and we're so starchy, you know, and it's good, I mean, it's, I like, I like it, to, I like it to be right, you know, but uh, so I like to have a little fun too once in a while, y'all don't think I'm going to preach till four, do you, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, uh, chapter 20 of, uh, I don't know if they put it up on the screen or not, but, uh, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder and went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. 
And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? They said to him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name we pray today that you'll anoint our hearts to receive of your word. Let it be a lamp to our feet, a light to our pathway, and we give you praise in Jesus' name today. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I've heard this chapter preached, and I'm sure you have, and I really haven't preached it very many times, but I was reading it the other day, and I, I saw something that was, I don't know, I, I, I guess I overlooked it, and sometimes those little things that you overlook are the most revealing and important things that you may ever uh, see in the Word of God, and while I'm talking about being revealed in Revelation, we're living in a time where many times people are coming to new revelation in God's word and they often take that and say well that changes everything that I used to believe well, let me make a statement to you today that light new light never changes the path of truth if it was ever true it's still true and if it's not true now if it's the word of God then it never was true because God does not change and so the more light that you get, it should not change your direction, but it should illuminate your path so that you walk with greater clarity and you walk with greater understanding. But I don't really believe that uh, if you were in the truth and you get more light and now you find out the truth you were in is not the truth. Well, that's confusing to me. But how many of you believe that God's word is real and God's word is truth and God's word never changes? So remember this, no matter how much light you get on the word of God, God's word is still true. You may understand it better than you used to. And so I believe this is what kind of touched me with this particular scripture. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is likened to this scripture. Now, to fully understand this, you notice that it starts out with the word for. That's a strange way to start, uh, to start a, a, a sentence. For the kingdom of heaven. So you really need to go back to the verse before that to find out what they're talking about, what Jesus is talking about. And you find it in the preceding chapter and also take note of the fact that in the original text, there was no chapter divisions. There was no verse divisions. Those were put in later on, uh, actually hundreds of years later when the Bible was being translated was when the, uh, when the scripture verses were put in. And I believe actually that's the reason why that uh, the anointing of God is upon his word and he says that he will call things back to your remembrance. I don't know about you, but I, I can begin to 
preach the word of God and begin to hear the word of God and scriptures will come to my mind and I can quote the scripture, but I could not tell you where it's at. That's why we have Google, right? <laughs> oh, you know, don't, don't be so holy on me. You know, you know how you do now. You know, a friend of mine that knew one of the great uh, scholars of old said, you know, he, he, didn't, he, didn't really like the, uh, he didn't like the idea that people could just take a computer and find it. He said, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved, and you don't have to study if you got something that'll just pull it up. You know, so I don't know about that. But anyway, as long as you get the word of God, however you get it, I believe it will make a difference in your life. But in the, in the chapter before this chapter, there's a lot of discussion going on uh, uh, among the disciples, actually, a rich man had come to Jesus and had said to Jesus, Master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life or to have eternal life? What must I do? Jesus went through the commandments and told him to do this, do that. And he said, I've done all of these things since my youth, but there's still something missing. And if you read that closely, and I'm sure we've all heard that story, and uh, Jesus said to him, if thou would be perfect, sell what you have and come and follow me. Give to the poor and come and follow me. Sometimes we read that and think he said, sell everything you've got and give it all away. He didn't say that if you read it closely. He said, sell what you have, give to the poor and follow me. I believe that the key word in all of that was not sell what you have. That's what we focus on. That's what we think about. It was not even to give to the poor. I believe that's something that we also focus on and we certainly should do. But Jesus said, sell what you have, give to the poor, and follow me. I believe that the most important words there were follow me. We skip over that because we're thinking about all the stuff that he had. I don't know what he had, but whatever it was, it was too, too much for him to uh, be willing to give it all up to go follow Jesus. I wonder who he might have become if he had have followed Christ. But we'll never know because he thought too much of the things that he had. And so Jesus began to talk about how sad it was that this man who had all of these things, but he did not understand that which was the greatest opportunity that he'd ever had in his life uh, was to follow close with the Lord. We need to understand that no matter what we have in life, there's nothing that will ever attain to the position that uh, we have as we're a follower of Christ because that's the only thing that's going to make a difference uh, when you come to the end of life's journey is do you know the Lord and does he know you? And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the only thing that matters. And you'll be like the Apostle Paul if you can say, I fought a good fight. I have finished this race and I have kept the faith. I might have lost a lot of things, but I have kept the faith and I am satisfied because I fought a good fight. I'll tell you what a testimony it is to be able to say that I may be getting ready to be put down upon the chopping block and they're going to cut my head off, but I want to declare to you that I'm a winner no matter what you do to this body. I am a winner and I'm going to stand just like Stephen did as he was being stoned. He said, I see the heavens open 
and I see the Son of God standing and he's welcoming him into the glory world. There's nothing to compare with the peace that comes when you know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and I'm on the Lord's side. What a privilege today to be in the house of God doing the Lord's work. Hallelujah. Oh, y'all don't do that. Don't get me stirred up here today. Oh, I'll tell you what, I feel the presence of the Lord. No, you, you, you do whatever you feel led to do. Amen. Praise God. So what we need to understand is that there was a discussion before all this. And the Bible says that Jesus, that's when that very famous word came about Jesus talking about those, no one has left houses and lands and, you know, that scripture where they receive a hundredfold in, they receive a hundredfold and then inherit eternal life. And the disciples, they begin to get into a question and Peter said, Lord, we have forsaken all. What are we going to get? Doesn't that sound like us? A lot of people serve God because they know his word is true. And we know that when he speaks, it will come to pass. But there's a lot of people that serve God because of his blessings. And I'm glad that God does bless you. How many of you believe that God blesses you? Amen. Peter said, what should, what do we get? And if you find out later on in this chapter, when he began to tell them about the rewards, that one of them and their mother came to him crying, crying and worshiping him and asking, Lord, uh, can you do something for us? In other words, can we be in charge in that last day? Can we be, a, can we have a little higher place? Can we sit closer to you? And isn't that the way we do sometimes? Uh, we want something good. Everybody wants something good, but everybody wants to have a special place with the Lord, and that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And then he comes to this scripture, and after coming, that's the last verse of the chapter before this, and then he comes into this and says, for the kingdom of heaven... The kingdom of God is like a man that goes to, to work and, and he goes out and hires workers to work in his vineyard. And that's what we're doing today. We're working in the vineyard. When you, to watch everyone today operating in their capacity, everybody doing the thing that God has given to them to do. Everybody has a different role and maybe it's, Someone can do something better than somebody else. And thank God for every talent that you have. And thank God for every ability that you have. But Jesus said it this way. He agreed to those that came early in the morning. And in fact, that word agreed. He agreed. Sounds like there was perhaps a little negotiation there. Or there was a promise that was made. And the promise was made for a penny a day or denarius a day. And uh, some translations call it a penny. Some call it, 
And I've, I've heard it's also said that, uh, that back in that day that that, w that was the price of, of 10 donkeys. I don't know, you know, and then it was later, it was a Roman uh, coin that then became the price of, it was double to 16 donkeys. I don't know, but I would think that's a pretty good day's wage, wouldn't you? You know, I mean, if you need some donkeys, I guess. <laughs> the fact is, that's quite a bit. And they were agreeable to that. Isn't it good when you get an agreement that you like and you're happy with your agreement? They were, they were thrilled with the agreement. I'm sure they were glad to have a job and they're, they're probably thinking, you know, what they're going to do with their donkeys. I don't know, you know, but Jesus went out. He said the landowner goes out and he hires some more. But here's what I want you to take notice of. He makes a different, different negotiation. In fact, there is no negotiation. He says... You go to work, and I'll give you what I think you're worth. How many of you would take that job? Go sign up for a job. He gave them no promise of anything except you go to work, and I'll give you what I think you're worth. Now, you talk about trust. How many of you would go and work all day? No, you don't have to ask, answer that. No, no, let's don't go there. But he, the point is, they had no agreement whatsoever. He says, after you're done, I'll pay you what I think you're worth. And he did the same thing to the others. And then, when he comes down to the end of it, when the payday is, when it's time to pay, he, he specifically instructs the paymaster, and he says, Started those that came at the very last hour. Now, I think if I would have been doing this to save, you know, to save, have peace, I would have probably went on and paid the ones in front, the ones that worked all day and let them go on home. Because it wouldn't be anybody's business. I was listening to somebody the other day, they said, uh, they were supposed to give a, like a five-minute message, and they said, the name of this message is, Mind Your Own Business. And I thought, wow. <laughs> and I thought, I would, I would probably never preach that sermon. You know, I'm just kind of a polite guy, you know. I try to be, you know. I, I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, but I thought, but th there was some pretty good points made, you know. And I, I don't remember all of what they were, because I got kind of enthralled in the, the, the message is, mind your own business. And I thought, well, I, I think most places where I preach, probably everybody minds their own business, you know. You know, I would hope. But then I thought, well, I, I know. Here's a better subject. What to do when other folks don't mind their own business? Now, we could get into that sermon, couldn't we? Well, how many of you? No, don't raise your hand on that one either. But... I would have probably let the ones that I had a contract with, I would have fulfilled the contract, paid them, and let them go home. And then I would have dealt with the others. But they were specifically instructed to pay the ones that got there and only worked an hour and give them the same amount that you're going to give the ones that worked all day long. The ones that had worked all day long, they were so happy until they found out what somebody else was getting. 
Isn't it hard sometimes if you're in the natural to wonder why you struggle and why you work hard and somebody else that seems to not work half as hard, maybe you don't know what they've gone through, but it seems like that they get a better position or they get a better situation or maybe they have more and you, you preach the blessing, you, you believe and yet you struggle and there's some people that will even uh, cause you to believe that you're not spiritual if you're, you know, if you're not, uh, you know, the most blessed person in town, if you don't have the most money or the biggest house, or if you're sick, there's a lot of people that will try to act like, you know, if you, if you're sick, you know, you must've done something wrong. You know, that's how the disciples were when they told, they asked Jesus, this man that's blind, uh, who, who is, who sinned him or his parents? He couldn't have sinned because he was born blind. But uh, they, they thought, you know, if you, and there's people today that believe that if you've got a, you've got a sickness or if you've got a, any problem that uh, it must be something is your fault. That is until they get sick. And then when they get sick, they get a different theology, you know. And so, uh, but, but, but that's just the way we are, right? But here's, here's the fact that Jesus said, pay the ones that work the least but he was really not paying them what they were worth because what he had worth, what he had paid, the, what he had agreed to was what they were worth. But he said, I'm going to give you above and beyond. And I'm going to give this other one above and beyond. And while he was doing that, the others got angry because they said, it's not right. And, and, and Jesus clarifies what the landowner says. This is not between you and them. This is between you and me. And that's what we need to understand, that when we are doing the work of God, we're not doing this to advance ourselves. We certainly, we want to, we want to, to do the best we can for ourselves. But we're in the work of God. This is not about us. It's about the work of God and getting the work of God done. But I want to tell you that when you can learn to worship God, not just because there is a promise that he will bless you. Yes, he will bless you. But I'll tell you, if you don't ever get healed, if you don't ever get blessed, I'll tell you, I believe it's still the best thing you could ever do is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to work with all of your heart and put your best foot forward at every time and do it with a glad heart and be thankful for the privilege. I don't know about you, but I count it a privilege to be able to to stand and to declare the whole counsel of God and give him an opportunity to work. And you have the very same opportunity all throughout the city of Durham and all throughout your state and wherever you are to declare the truth of the word of God, even if it's only giving and sharing your testimony of what God has done for you. I've, I've heard people say, well, I want to hear the word of God. I don't want to hear any testimonies. Uh, well, I want to tell you something. I love the Word of God too. But without the Word of God, I wouldn't have a testimony. And besides that, when you share that testimony, you may be setting yourself up for another miracle. Remember when, uh, when the uh, woman that had lost everything she had, she had obeyed the prophet and she had left her home and she had gone to a, a sojourn in a strange land for seven years and when she came home, she had lost everything. The king had come in and repossessed all of her goods. Nobody told her what to do, but she said, I'm going to 
cried to the king. Everybody said it's hopeless, you can't do it. But God had set up a scenario where Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, was there and was telling the story to the king. He loved to hear those testimonies, and he said, I'd like to hear that testimony about that woman that was her son was raised from the dead. And while he was telling that testimony, suddenly that woman appears before the king. God knows how to take whatever you do. It may be just a word in due season. It may be just a word that may not mean anything to anybody else, but God can use it to bring a word of deliverance in somebody's life. So never be ashamed to share what God has done in your life. And then let God flourish through you and you're a light that's not hid under a bushel but you're set up on a hill oh praise God and you may say but what if it doesn't work I used to tell people they said what if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed I said you don't have to take the credit unless you were you don't have to take the blame unless you were going to take the credit God is the healer right amen God is the healer and I believe he does heal but one of these days, we're all going to leave here. You know, there's a story in the Bible that uh, I got a few more minutes, a couple more minutes. How many of you give me three, three more minutes? Amen. Remember when Elisha was the one that had the double portion? I think there's really some misconceptions about that also. And, I've, and I believed it for a long time. I didn't really think about it a lot. But my impression was that Elijah was the great prophet of God and Elisha followed him and Elijah told him, if you see me when I go away, you can have a double portion. And so Elisha followed Elijah with that knowledge that if he saw him when he went away, he would have a double portion. But if you read the text closely, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. Because the Bible says that Elisha poured water on the prophet's hands. And he followed him everywhere. And everywhere he would go, when he gets on down to the end, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Stay here. And he says, no, I'm going with you. At that point in time, he has no promise of anything. Nothing. No promise of anything. But he's just working because he wants to be there. Did you hear that? He's just, he has no promise of anything. Because if you read, when Elijah turns to him and asks him, what do you want from me? He says, I want a double portion. A double portion of the spirit of God that is upon you. And well, that's pretty big, isn't it? That's the greatest, greatest powerful prophet he's ever seen, you know, great miracles. And I wonder what that made Elijah feel like. You want to do twice as much as I have? Why wouldn't you be satisfied with half as much? But he said, I want twice as much. And Elijah says, oh, you have asked a hard thing. You have asked a hard thing. But if you see me when I go away, you'll have what you ask. 
And suddenly, while they're still talking, God is saying, oh, that's not that hard. Suddenly, while they're in the same conversation, Elijah's taken up to heaven in a chariot. That's the first time he got, he spoke the promise and received it all in the same conversation. If you read it, you'll find out. So what does that tell you? Elisha had a dream in his heart. But what he did was he was there without a promise of anything. Did you get that? He had no promise, but God was putting something within him that was building him up to be able to receive something from God. What's in your heart today? Have you got faith enough to believe that God can do something for you? Even if he's done nothing. And the story is that Elijah is taken to heaven and Elisha cries out and says, Alas, Master. And, you know, I, I really believe that Elijah probably could have gotten along without the mantle. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. He may could have because the power was in the word. And Elijah was going to heaven and suddenly he looked down and saw Elisha panicking on the ground. I don't have anything. So he threw the mantle over to let him know, okay, here's something you can use. And when Elisha picked up that mantle and he went back to the Jordan and he cries out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And God says, here I am right here, rolls the water back. Did you know when you begin to use what God has given to you, no matter what it is, it could be a staff, could be a mantle, it could be the word you speak, but whatever you do, God is bigger than what your inability is. You don't have to have a whole lot. Just use what you got. Amen. Use what you got. And don't worry about what the people think. I'm sure that Elisha was probably feeling like, well, you know, one of these days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that double portion. If you count the miracles of Elijah and the miracles of Elisha, he was one miracle short of a double portion. One miracle short. An amazing thing. With all this power that he had, he got sick with a disease that he was going to die with. Now, I know somebody would say, that's just impossible. How can you have power with God and be sick? Elijah was. He was sick and going to die. He was on his deathbed. And a young king came to see him and cries out and says to him the same thing he said to Elijah. Alas, master, you're going to, you're going to leave me. And Elisha says to this young king, son, pick up your weapon. Pick up the bow and arrow and bring it to me. And he put his hands on his hands and he blessed them. He didn't have the double portion fulfilled, but he was speaking into the future. Did you know God has your future in his hands? No matter what your physical condition is, that does not hinder 
the work of God that God can bring through your life. Don't ever let your inabilities hinder you from being used of God. Do what you can while you can and know that God will do the rest. Elisha died. Sure did. And I'm sure he, if he's like us, he probably had counted the miracles and knew he was one short. But it's not about Elijah and it's not about Elisha. Because some of you may know the rest of the story. A year later, <laughs> the next year, the band of raiders came through and they were raiding and people were running from there and they, have, they were having a, uh, carrying the, a dead body of a man. And they said, we have to get rid of this body. And they threw him into the cave not knowing that it was the cave of the bones of Elisha. <laughs> Some of you, maybe you don't know what happened. If you haven't read it lately, you ought to read it. This, this book is so full of unbelievable things. that. But when the dead body hit the bones of Elisha, suddenly life came in the dead body. Now, watch this. Elisha's still dead. He's still got bones there. But God is sending a message. It's not about you. It's about me. And if I make a statement, it's going to come to pass. Don't worry about whether you can get the job done. I'm going to do the job. Oh, hallelujah. That young man, that, that man that was dead, he, he sprang up out of that cave. I know it scared those guys half to death because they had no clue what was going on. Now, here's a question for you. If you say, well, I don't have faith enough to do the work of God. Who had faith in that scenario? Who had faith? Elisha's dead. His bones are in the grave, uh, uh, in that cave. The man that's being cast in, he's, uh, uh, he's dead. And the guy's just throwing him in. They have no idea what's going on. No. But all of a sudden, we see that God's word is bigger than what you feel like. Uh, I'll tell you what, I can tell every person in this place today, you're not dead and buried. You're here. You're breathing. Uh, and you got a chance to do something for God. You got a chance to walk out of this place today full of the fire of God, full of the the Holy Ghost and bring deliverance in Durham, take authority over the powers of the enemy and break the yokes of bondage and set your families free, set your loved ones free and have the power of God to rock North Carolina. Do you believe he could do that? Oh, hallelujah. This church has a history of walking in the power of God. So I want to tell you that God's power is just as real today as it ever has been. Oh, hallelujah. I got to stop. Amen. But I feel the presence of God here today. Aren't you glad that we can work? It takes the pressure off when you know you don't have to do the work. You just have to do your part. And if you get the chance to participate, as the praise team comes if you get the chance to participate in the work of God, you have the greatest opportunity that has ever been afforded to anyone on the face of the earth. And how many of you today, you may feel like you're going through a time of hardship, time of heartache, or you may feel weak, and you may feel like you're not able to function and do what you'd like to be able to do. But Elisha lay on a bed dying while he was commanding the future.
And he said to that young king, open the window. Open the window on tomorrow. This is a room. Death is in this room. <laughs> but open that window. And look out there because there's a great big need. Somebody says, you know, there's just uh, so many problems in the world. What are we going to do, the poor little church? What are we going to do? And I want to tell him, you should read the story of David, the little shepherd boy with a rock. <laughs> and if they would have told him that giant is so big, I believe he would have said, as we would say today, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. We're going to win. Did you know that? I said, we're going to win. And I'm going to change what I just said. I'm not going to say we're going to win. I'm going to say we are winning. Look over and tell somebody, I am a winner. I am a winner through Jesus Christ. You may be here today. You may feel defeated. You may feel like you have no hope. But I want to tell you there's hope in Jesus. There's nothing greater than to know that Jesus has given you an opportunity to work. No big eyes and little U's. Don't worry about who's the boss. He's the boss. Don't worry about how good you'll do. Maybe you won't get it right. Well, I found out God can take things that you don't understand. Sometimes I've thought I preached great and it seemed like nothing happened. And sometimes when I thought I just really messed up, and people said, God touched me today. It's not about us. It's about him. And today, if you turn your life over to Christ, you'll find out that greater is he that will be in you than he that's in the world, and you'll have victory. Would you bow your heads, please, if you will, for a moment? I just felt led to share this. I think it's a simple scripture, but it's very, very profound if we realize it, that God searches our heart and if we have a need today, if you have a need in your life, perhaps you don't know the Lord as your Savior. Maybe you've never accepted him, and maybe you're feeling defeated and down and out. You may feel like it's too late for me, but it's not too late. It's not too late. But today, if you need prayer, I'm going to just ask you to slip your hand up and just say, I need prayer today that God will touch my heart, touch my life, change my life. Maybe you have a need for a family member, a loved one. I'm not going to ask you what your specific need is today. God knows. And God can touch you at the point of your need. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. Thank you. We're going to pray today. God knows your heart. And when he says, come to work for me, I'll give you what's right. They ended up in a better position really than those that started early in the morning because those that started early in the morning ended up with a bad attitude and that's not good but today would you stand to your feet everyone if you will and let's just ask God to God has seen those hands that's going up there's a few that's raised their hand and perhaps you've got a need in your life how many of you have got loved ones that you'd like to see them in the kingdom of God working now, nobody's told me this, but I can, I can sense in the spirit that some of you have got loved ones that are very talented and have a great call of God upon their life, but they're running from God and they don't want anything to do with the work of God, and it breaks your heart. 
I believe you can stand in the gap for them. I really do. I believe that God can put a hook in your jaw and bring them to the salvation of their souls. I believe that. Let's gather around this altar today and pray and just ask God to touch every heart and every life. And I'm going to turn the service back in a moment to Brother Michael to come and close out. But today, do you believe God can touch your life today? There's a need. There's a need. In this generation, there's a need. There's a need in the vineyard. There's a need in the vineyard. You may say, what can I do? Maybe invite somebody to church. Maybe invite them to one of the functions. Maybe you can speak an encouraging word. Maybe you can... The Spirit of the Lord may lead you in some way to minister to them with a word of encouragement. I pray that today something that I've said is encourage you in whatever way that it may be needed. You may need a healing in your body. There's healing in this room today. Amen. I do believe God is a healer. I can stand here till the sun goes down this evening telling you of miracles that I've seen God perform across many lands. And it would not be even scratch the surface of the things that I have seen. And if I have seen those things, I wonder what God has seen and what God is yet to see. And I don't believe it's over yet. I believe we still have a great commission. Do you believe that? Would you join hands with somebody? Let's just join hands. You know, there's power in connectivity. If you have a battery in your car and it won't start your car, you may not have to throw it away. Just hook it to a live battery. Am I right? Hook it to a live battery and let it transfer a little power. I believe some of you today, many of you are full of the power of God. Some of you have been living for God for a long time, and you could tell me more than I could tell you. But let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand upon your word today, and we know that all things are in your hands. You contain all of the wealth of the world, all the wisdom of the world, all the mercy that is required to bring deliverance in this generation. God, today we pray for our country. We pray for our nation. We pray for the world. We pray for those that are in trouble and those that are confused and have no spirit to cooperate with you. But Lord, we know that your power is all-powerful. And I pray today, O oh Lord, that you will minister to every need in this place, those that are hurting and those that have unexplained hurts and things that cannot be comprehended by those who have not gone through it. I pray that you touch and pour in the healing oil today. Let the oil of the Spirit flow into every life. Let your healing touch flow through every life. And those that have come into this place, if there be one that does not know the Lord, I pray today that as they open their heart to you, you said, repent, and you said you would accept those that would come, and we know that your word is true, and we pray today, O oh Lord, that your blessings shall be released upon every heart and upon every life, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Somebody just lift your hearts to the Lord as the praise team sings something, whatever the Lord lays upon their heart. And just worship the Lord today and receive, uh, 
receive the Spirit of God into your life. And I'm going to pray that God is going to make you more effective than you've ever been. And I'm going to get in on that prayer too. How many of you want to be more effective? Amen. Not worrying too much about what I get. Somebody asked me not too long ago, how much do you charge to go preach? I've never charged anybody anything to preach the gospel. I've never set a fee. I know a lot of preachers do, and a lot of people may have to. And in the world that we're living in, you may have to do that. But I've never done that. And so far, God has allowed me to be full-time ministry for my entire adult life. Amen. Somebody wrote a book. A dear friend of mine wrote a book and said, you can't be an evangelist these days without having the support of a large congregation or a big church behind you. And I thought, I'm glad I didn't read that book 25 years, 30 years ago. Amen. Because I already know God can make a way. And God is bigger than what man says. Man may put you up and man may pull you down. But if God lifts you up, if God be for you, who can be? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, I, I love to see the word of God going, going forth. And, and you can see when it's striking when it's striking home runs. It's not me, but it's the word of God. Amen. They may not even know me. I love when that man said, I didn't remember your name. No, I, didn't, I mean, I, I wouldn't have cared if he'd remembered my name. But he said, but I knew I'd see, if I ever saw you again, I'd know. But you know what? He just identified me with the word of God. That's what it was at. And that's what you're identified with. Hallelujah. Look over and tell somebody, I'm carrying this thing. I'm carrying this word of God. Look over and tell somebody, the word of God is in me. Come on. Some of you looking at me like, is, oh, as is, 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 is bad as I feel? You mean I've got, hey, you're, you're not laying in with your, with your bones baking. You know, you're not dead. You're still here. Elisha was dead in the grave. And when the body touched his bones, they, the body sprang to life and he's still dead. Oh, somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Because it's about God. Oh, come on. Amen. Uh, praise God. Just sing something. Just worship the Lord. Uh, amen. Oh, that's a great one. Come on. Lift your heart and let's sing it. Uh, I'm going to ask my son. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here today. I'm so thankful for my family. And uh, God is, I, I can feel the anointing so strong here today. But it's been a joy to come and to minister to you. And I hope something has been said that will be a blessing in your life. Uh, last week I was in California. Today I'm in Durham, North Carolina. And the same God that moved in California, I feel him here today. We may be on a li limited time schedule, but I'll tell you what. Uh, God can do more in a few seconds uh, than we can do in a lifetime. Amen? Praise God. Come on, Michael. God bless you. Amen. You've been blessed this morning. What a privilege to come, not necessarily for a blessing, just to come for who God is and then to see the goodness of God displayed and manifested. If you do have a specific prayer need that you want to lift up, I'm going to dismiss now. And if you need to leave, we thank you for coming this morning. My dad will be down front if you want him to pray for something specifically for you. But thank you for coming this morning. We continue to sing. And would you, as you go out this morning, to be friendly. As I've heard him say several times, be friendly because you are friendly. Would you greet someone, love them in the Lord. Don't forget you have the Billy Graham uh, meeting that's happening in Rod this afternoon. We thank you for being here this morning for all that you do in the Lord.
and we are certainly better together. Come back next week. We can't wait to have President Steve Holder with us. And if you would, if nothing else, at least to love on Brother Britt this morning and, and thank him for being with us. Thank you all. God bless.